0: section 10 of revelations of a wife this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org reading by mary rody revelations of a wife by adele garrison chapter 10 grace by name and grace by nature what's the matter madge got a grouch or something Dickie faced me in the old hall of the deserted Putnam Manor Inn, where we had expected to find warmth and food and the picturesqueness of a century back. Instead of these things we had found the place in the hands of a caretaker. Dickie had asked to go through the house on the pretense of wishing to rent it. "'I haven't a bit of a grouch,' I tried to speak as cheerfully as I could, for I dreaded Dickie's anger when I told him my feeling upon the subject of going over the house under false pretenses. "'But I don't think it is right for us to go through the rooms. The woman wouldn't have let us come in if you hadn't said we wished to rent it. It's deception, and I wish you wouldn't insist upon my going any further. I can't enjoy seeing the rooms at all.' Dicky stared at me for a moment as if I were some specimen of humanity he had never seen before. "'Then he exploded. "'Another one of your scruples, eh? "'By Jove, I wonder where you keep them all. "'You're always ready to trot one out, just in time to spoil any little thing I'm trying to do for your pleasure or mine.' "'Please hush, Dicky," I pleaded.' "'I was afraid the woman in the next room would hear him. "'He spoke in such loud tones. "'I'll hush when I get good and ready. "'I longed to shake him. "'His tone and words were so much like those of a spoiled child. "'But he lowered his tone, nevertheless, "'and stood for a minute or two in sulky silence "'before the empty fireplace. "'Well, come along,' he said at last. I'm sure there's no pleasure to me in looking over this place. I've seen it often enough when old Forceman had it filled with colonial junk and served the best meals to be found on Long Island. It's like a coffin now to me, but I thought you might like to look it over as you had never seen it. But for heaven's sake, let us respect your scruples. I knew better than to make any answer i wished above everything else to have this day end happily this whole day to ourselves in the country upon which i had counted so much i feared dicky would be angry enough to return to the city as he had threatened to do when he found the inn closed so it was with much relief that after we had gone back into the other room i heard him ask the caretaker if there were some place in the neighbourhood where we could obtain a meal "'Do you know where the Shakespeare House is?' she asked. "'Never heard of it,' Dicky answered. "'Although I've been around here quite a bit, too.' "'It's about six blocks further down toward the bay,' she said, still in the same colourless tone she had used from the first. "'It's on Shore Road. The Germans own it. Mr. Gorman, he's a builder, and he built an old house over into a copy of Shakespeare's House in England.' Mrs. Gorman is English. She serves tea on the porch in the summer, and I've heard she will serve a meal to anybody that happens along any time of the year, although she doesn't keep a regular restaurant. That's the only place I know of anywhere near. Of course, down on the bay there's the Marmon Harbor Hotel. You can get a pretty good meal there. Thank you very much,' said Dickie, laying a dollar bill down on the table near us." I had a sudden flash of understanding. Dickie meant all the time to recompense the woman in this way for allowing us to see the house. But the principle of the thing remained the same. Why could he not have told her frankly that he wished to look at the house and given her the dollar in the beginning? I did not ask the question, however, even after we had left the old mansion and were walking down the road. I felt like adopting the old motto and leaving well enough alone. I did not speak again until we had turned from the street down which we were walking into a winding thoroughfare labeled Shore Road. Then a thought which had come to me during our walk demanded utterance. "Dicky," I said quietly, "'wasn't Gorman the name of the woman of whom the stationmaster told you, and didn't she live on Shore Road?' Dicky stopped short as if he had been struck. "'Of course it was!' he almost shouted. "'What a ninny I was not to remember it! She's the sister of that stunning girl we saw in the train. Isn't this luck? I may be able to get that girl to pose for me after all!' But I did not echo his sentiments. Secretly I hoped the girl would not be at her sister's home. "'This surely must be the place, Dicky i said as we rounded a sudden turn on shore road and caught sight of a quaint structure that seemed to belong to the sixteenth century rather than the twentieth dicky whistled well what do you want to know about that he demanded of the horizon in general for the little brown house with its balconies projecting from unexpected places and its lattice-work cunningly outlined against its walls was well worth looking at. But our hunger soon drove us through the gate and up the steps. A comely Englishwoman of about forty years answered Dickie's sounding of the quaintly carved knocker. He lifted his hat with a curtly bow. "'We were told at Putnam Manor that we might be able to get a dinner here,' he began. "'We came down from the city this morning, expecting that the inn would be open.' "'But we found it closed, and we are very hungry. "'Would it be possible for you to accommodate us?' "'I think we shall be able to give you a fairly good dinner,' "'she said, with a simple directness that pleased me. "'My husband went fishing yesterday, "'and I have some very good panfish and some oysters. "'If you are very hungry, I can give you the oysters almost at once, "'and it will not take very long to broil the fish.' "'Then, if you care for anything like that, "'we had an old-fashioned chicken pie for our own dinner. "'There is plenty of it still hot, if you wish to try it.' "'Madam,' Dicky bowed again, "'chicken pie is our long suit, "'and we are also very fond of oysters and fish. "'Just bring us everything you happen to have in the house, "'and I can assure you we will do full justice to it.' She smiled and went to the foot of the staircase, which had a mahogany stair-rail carved exquisitely. "'Grace,' she called melodiously, "'there are two people here who will take dinner. Will you show them into my room so they can lay aside their wraps?' Without waiting for an answer, she motioned us to the staircase. "'My sister will take care of you,' she said, and hurried out of another door, which we realized must lead to the kitchen." Dickie and I looked at each other when she had left. "'The beautiful unknown,' Dicky said in a stage whisper. "'Try to get on the good side of her, Madge. "'If I can get her to pose for that set of outdoor illustrations Fillmore wants, "'me fortune's made, and hers too,' he burlesqued. I nudged him to stop talking. "'I have a very quick ear, and I had heard a light footstep in the hall above us.' As we reached the top of the stairs, the girl of whom we were talking met us. I acknowledged unwillingly to myself that she was even more beautiful than she had appeared on the train. She was gowned in a white linen skirt, and white midi with white tennis shoes and white stockings. Her dress was most unsuitable for the winter day, although the house was warm, but with another flash of remembrance of my own past privations— I realized the reason for her attire. This costume could be tubbed and ironed if it became soiled. It would stand a good deal of water. Her other clothing must be kept in good condition for the times when she must go outside of her home. But if she had known of Dickie's mission and gowned herself accordingly, she could not have succeeded better in satisfying his artistic eye he stared at her open-mouthed as she spoke a conventional word of greeting and showed us into a bedroom hung with chintzes and bright with winter sunshine she was as calm as unconsciously regal as she had been on the train i knew however that she was not as indifferent to dicky's open admiration as she appeared the slightest heightening of the color in her cheek a quickly-veiled flash of her eyes in his direction. These things I noticed in the short time she was in the room with us. Was Dicky too absorbed in his plan or his drawings to see what I had seen? His words appeared to indicate that he was. Gee, he drew a long breath as we heard Miss Draper, the name I had heard the bus-driver give her, going down the stairs." If I get a chance to talk to her today, I'm going to make her promise to save that rig to pose in. She's the exact image of what I want, and graceful. Grace by name and grace by nature. The old saw certainly holds good in her case. I did not answer him. As I laid aside my furs and removed my hat and coat, I felt a distinct sinking of the heart. I knew it was foolish but the presence of this girl in whom Dicky displayed such interest took all the pleasure out of the day's outing. "'This is what I call eating,' said Dicky as he helped himself to a second portion of the steaming chicken pie which Mrs. Gorman had placed before us. The oysters and the delicious broiled fish which had formed the first two courses of our dinner had been removed by her sister a few moments before.' Dickie had not been so absorbed in his meal, however, as to miss any graceful movement of Miss Draper's. The admiring glances which he gave her as she served us with quick, deft motions were not lost upon me. I knew that she was not oblivious of them either, although her manner was perfect in its calm, indifferent courtesy. When it came time for dessert, Mrs. Gorman bore the tray in on which it was served, a cherry roly-poly, covered with a steaming sauce. "'You're in luck,' she said, with a naive pride in her own culinary ability, as she served the pudding. "'I don't often make this pudding, and my canned cherries from last summer are getting scarce. But my sister came home unexpectedly this morning, and this pudding is one of her favorites, so I made it for dinner. I thought perhaps it would cheer her up.' Miss Draper, who entered at that moment with the coffee and a bit of English cheese that looked particularly appetizing, appeared distinctly annoyed at her sister's reference to her. Her cheeks flushed, and her eyes flashed a warning glance at Mrs. Gorman. "'I am sure this pudding would cheer anybody up,' said Dickie, genially attacking his. "'It is delicious,' I said, and indeed it was.' I have tasted nothing like this since I was a child in the country." Mrs. Gorman beamed at the praise. She evidently was a hospitable soul. "'Would you like the recipe for it?' she asked. "'Indeed she would,' Dickie struck in. "'If you can teach Katie to make this,' he turned to me, "'I'll stand treat to anything you wish.' "'What a rash promise!' I smiled at Dickie, then turned to Mrs. Gorman. "'I should be very glad to have the recipe,' I said. "'Here,' Dickie passed a pencil and the back of an envelope over the table. "'So, while Mrs. Gorman dictated the recipe, I dutifully wrote it down. "'Thank you so much, Mrs. Gorman,' I said as I finished writing. "'You are very welcome, I'm sure,' she said heartily. "'You are strangers here, aren't you? I've never seen you around here before.' "'This is my wife's first visit to the village,' Dicky struck into the conversation. "'I realized that he welcomed this opportunity of beginning a conversation with Mrs. Gorman and her sister, so that he might lead up to his request for Miss Draper's services as a model. "'I have been in the village frequently,' went on Dicky. "'I used to sketch a good deal along the brook to the north of the village.' "'Then you are an artist.' We heard Miss Draper's voice for the first time since she had shown us to the room above. Then her tones had been cool and indifferent. Now her exclamation was full of emotion of some sort. "'An artist!' echoed Mrs. Gorman, staring at Dickie as if he were the President. There was a little strained silence. Then Miss Draper picked up the serving tray and hurried into the kitchen. "'Mrs. Gorman wiped her eyes as she saw her sister's departure. "'You mustn't think we're queer,' she said at length. "'But I suppose your saying you are an artist "'brought all her trouble back to Grace. "'Poor girl!' "'Mrs. Gorman's eyes threatened to overflow again. "'If it wouldn't trouble you too much, tell us about it.' Dicky's voice was gentle, inviting. "'Perhaps we could help you.' "'I don't think anybody can help.' Mrs. Gorman shook her head sadly. "'You see, ever since Grace was a baby, almost, she has wanted to draw things. I brought her up. I was the oldest, and she was the youngest of twelve children, and our mother died soon after she was born. I was married shortly afterward, and from the time she could hold a pencil in her hand she has drawn pictures on everything she could lay her hands on.' in school she was always at the head of her class in drawing but there was no money to give her any lessons so she didn't get very far since she left school she has been planning every way to save money enough to go to an art school but something always hinders mrs gorman paused only to take a breath having broken her reserve she seemed unable to stop talking She went into a dressmaking shop as soon as she left school. I had taught her to sew beautifully, thinking she could earn money enough when she had learned her trade to have a term in an art school, but her health broke down at the sewing, and I had her home here a year. I remembered the remarkable appearance of costly attire Miss Draper had achieved when we saw her in the station. This, then, was the solution. She had made them all herself." Then she got another position. Miss Draper came into the room in time to hear Mrs. Gorman's last words. She walked swiftly to her sister's side, her eyes blazing. "'Kate,' she said, her voice low but tense with emotion, "'why are you troubling these strangers with my affairs?' Before Mrs. Gorman could answer, Dickie interposed. "'Just a minute, please,' he said authoritatively. "'As it happens, Miss Draper,' I am in a position to make a proposition to you concerning employment which will provide you with a comfortable income, and at the same time enable you to pursue your studies." Mrs. Gorman uttered an ejaculation of joy, but Miss Draper said nothing, only looked steadily at him. "'This girl has had lessons in a hard school,' I said to myself. She has learned to distrust men and to doubt any proffered kindness. "'I have been commissioned to do a set of illustrations,' Dicky went on, "'in which the central figure is a young girl in the regulation summer costume such as you have on. I have been unable to find a satisfactory model for the picture. If you will allow me to say so, you are just the type I wish for the drawings.' If you will pose for them, I will give you fifty dollars and buy you a monthly commutation ticket from Marvin, so that you will have no expense coming or going. There are several artist friends of mine who have been looking for a model of your type. I think you could safely count upon an income of forty or fifty dollars a week, after you get started. I know there are several other drawings I have in mind in which I could use you. "'Mrs. Gorman had attempted to speak two or three times "'while Dickie was explaining his proposition, "'but Miss Draper had silenced her with a gesture. "'Now, however, she would not be denied. "'A model!' she shrilled excitedly. "'You're not insulting my sister by asking her to be a model, are you? "'Why, I'd rather see her dead than have her do anything so shameful. "'Kate, keep quiet!' "'You do not know what you are talking about.' "'Miss Draper's voice was low and calm, but it quieted her older sister immediately. "'I take it you do not mean figure-posing?' "'She hesitated before the word ever so slightly. "'Oh, no, nothing of the kind,' I hastened to reassure her. "'It's the ability to wear clothes well with a certain air that he especially wants.' AND WHAT DO YOU MEAN BY AN OPPORTUNITY TO GO ON WITH MY STUDIES?' THE GIRL WAS REALLY SUPERB AS SHE FACED DICKY. WITH THE PROSPECT OF MORE MONEY THAN I KNEW SHE HAD EVER HAD BEFORE, SHE YET COULD STAND AND BARGAIN FOR THE THING WHICH TO HER WAS FAR MORE THAN MONEY. "'Show me some of your drawings,' DICKY SPOKE abruptly. She went swiftly upstairs, returning in a moment with two large portfolios. These she spread out before Dickie on the table, and he examined the drawings very carefully. I felt very much alone, out of it, for all Dickie noticed I might not have been there. Not bad at all, was Dickie's verdict. Indeed, some of them are distinctly good. Now, I'll tell you what I will do. "'he said, turning to Miss Draper. "'Until you find out what time you can give to an art school, "'I will give you what little help I can in your work. "'If you can be quiet, and I think you can, "'you may work in my studio at odd times when you are not posing. "'What do you think of it?' "'Think of it,' Miss Draper drew a long breath. "'I accept your offer gladly. When shall I begin?' "'I will drop you a postal, notifying you a day or two ahead of time,' he returned. "'We went out of the house and down the path to the gate before Dicky spoke. "'That was awfully decent of you, Madge, to square things with Mrs. Gorman like that. "'I appreciate it, I assure you.' "'It was nothing,' I said dispiritedly. "'I felt suddenly tired and old.' But I wish you would do something for me, Dicky. Name it and it's yours, Dicky spoke grandiloquently. Take me home. We can see the harbor another time. I really feel too tired to do any more today. Dicky opened his mouth, evidently to remind me that my fatigue was of sudden development, but closed it again and turned in silence toward the railroad station. We had a silent journey back. Neither Dickie nor I spoke, except to exchange the veriest commonplaces. We reached home about five o'clock to Katie's surprise. "'I'll hurry. Get dinner,' she said, evidently much flurried. "'We're not very hungry, Katie,' I said. "'Some cold meat and bread and butter, those little potato cakes you make so nicely, some sliced bananas for Mr. Graham, and some coffee—' that will be sufficient. For my own part, I felt that I never wished to see or hear of food again. The silent journey home, added to the events of the day, had brought on one of my ugly, morbid moods. End of chapter 10